Welcome to Chill with a Chapter Book, Season 3, Episode 4. I'm Allison from the Wells Public Library, and this season we are reading The Land of Oz, the second book in the Wizard of Oz series by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 10, The Journey to the Tin Woodman. Tip was well soaked and dripping water from every angle of his body, but he managed to lean forward and shout in the ear of the sawhorse, keep still you fool, keep still. The horse at once ceased struggling and floated calmly upon the surface, its wooden body being as buoyant as a raft. What does that word fool mean? inquired the horse. It is a term of reproach, answered Tip, somewhat ashamed of the expression. I only use it when I am angry. Then it pleases me to be able to call you a fool in return, said the horse, for I did not make the river, nor put it in our way. So only a term of reproach is fit for one who becomes angry with me for falling into the water. That is quite evident, replied Tip, so I will acknowledge myself in the wrong. Then he called out to the pumpkin head, Are you all right, Jack? There was no reply. So the boy called to the king, Are you all right, your majesty? The scarecrow groaned. I'm all wrong somehow, he said in a weak voice. How very wet this water is. Tip was bound so tightly by the cord that he could not turn his head to look at his companions. So he said to the sawhorse, Paddle with your legs toward the shore. The horse obeyed, and although their progress was slow, they finally reached the opposite river bank at a place where it was low enough to enable the creature to scramble upon dry land. With some difficulty, the boy managed to get his knife out of his pocket and cut the cords that bound the riders to one another and to the wooden horse. He heard the scarecrow fall to the ground with a mushy sound and then he himself quickly dismounted and looked at his friend Jack. The wooden body with its gorgeous clothing still sat upright upon the horse's back, but the pumpkin head was gone and only the sharpened stick that served for a neck was visible. As for the scarecrow, the straw in his body had shaken down with the jolting and packed itself into his legs and the lower part of his body, which appeared very plump and round while his upper half seemed like an empty sack. Upon his head the scarecrow still wore the heavy crown, which had been sewed on to prevent his losing it, but the head was now so damp and limp that the weight of the gold and jewels sagged forward and crushed the painted face into a mass of wrinkles that made him look exactly like a Japanese pug dog. Tip would have laughed had he not been so anxious about his man Jack. But the scarecrow, however damaged, was all there, while the pumpkin head that was so necessary to Jack's existence was missing. So the boy seized a long pole that fortunately lay near at hand and anxiously turned again toward the river. Far out upon the waters, he sighted the golden hue of the pumpkin, which gently bobbed up and down with the motion of the waves. At that moment, it was quite out of Tip's reach. After a time, it floated nearer and still nearer. 
until the boy was able to reach it with his pole and draw it to the shore. Then he brought it to the top of the bank, carefully wiped the water from its pumpkin face with his handkerchief, and ran with it to Jack and replaced the head upon the man's neck. Dear me, were Jack's first words. What a dreadful experience. I wonder if water is liable to spoil pumpkins? Tip did not think a reply was necessary, for he knew that the scarecrow also stood in need of his help. So he carefully removed the straw from the king's body and legs and spread it out in the sun to dry. The wet clothing he hung over the body of the sawhorse. If water spoils pumpkins, observed Jack with a deep sigh, then my days are numbered. I've never noticed that water spoils pumpkins, returned Tip, unless the water happens to be boiling. If your head isn't cracked, my friend, you must be in fairly good condition. Oh, my head isn't cracked in the least, declared Jack more cheerfully. Then don't worry, retorted the boy. Care once killed a cat. Then, said Jack seriously, I am very glad indeed that I am not a cat. The sun was fast drying their clothing, and Tip stirred up his majesty's straw so that the warm rays might absorb the moisture and make it as crisp and dry as ever. When this had been accomplished, he stuffed the scarecrow into symmetrical shape and smoothed out his face so that he wore his usual gay and charming expression. Thank you very much, said the monarch brightly, as he walked about and found himself to be well balanced. There are several distinct advantages in being a scarecrow, for if one has friends near at hand to repair damages, nothing very serious can happen to you. I wonder if hot sunshine is liable to crack pumpkins, said Jack with an anxious ring in his voice. Not at all, not at all, replied the Scarecrow gaily. All you need fear, my boy, is old age. When your golden youth has decayed, we shall quickly part company, but you needn't look forward to it. We'll discover the fact ourselves and notify you. But come, let us resume our journey. I am anxious to greet my friend, the Tin Woodman. So they remounted the sawhorse, Tip holding to the post, and Pumpkinhead clinging to Tip, and the Scarecrow with both arms around the wooden form of Jack, said Tip to his steed. All right, responded the creature in a voice rather gruff. Aren't you a little horse? asked the Pumpkinhead politely. The sawhorse gave an angry prance and rolled one naughty eye backward toward Tip. See here, he growled, can't you protect me from insult? To be sure, answered Tip soothingly. I am sure Jack meant no harm. Who was Nick Chopper? asked Tip. That is the name of my friend, the Tin Woodman, answered His Majesty. And here is where the winged monkeys captured and bound us and flew away with little Dorothy, he continued after they had traveled a little way farther. Do winged monkeys ever eat pumpkins? asked Jack with a shiver of fear. I do not know, but you have a little cause to worry, for the winged monkeys are now the slaves of Glinda the Good, who owns the golden cap that commands their services, said the Scarecrow reflectively. 
Then the stuffed monarch became lost in thought, recalling the days of past adventures. And the sawhorse rocked and rolled over the flower-strewn fields and carried its riders swiftly upon their way. Twilight fell by and by, and then the dark shadows of night. So Tip stopped the horse, and they all proceeded to dismount. I'm tired out, said the boy, yawning wearily. And the grass is soft and cool. Let us lie down here and sleep until morning. I can't sleep, said Jack. I never do, said the scarecrow. I do not even know what sleep is, said the sawhorse. Still, we must have consideration for this poor boy who is made of flesh and blood and bone and gets tired, suggested the scarecrow in his usual thoughtful manner. I remember it was the same way with little Dorothy. We always had to sit through the night while she slept. I'm sorry, said Tip meekly, but I can't help it, and I'm dreadfully hungry too. Here is a new danger, remarked Jack gloomily. I hope you are not fond of eating pumpkins. Not unless they're stewed and made into pies, answered the boy laughing. So have no fears of me, friend Jack. What a coward that pumpkin head is, said the sawhorse scornfully. You might be a coward yourself if you knew you were liable to spoil, retorted Jack angrily. There, there, interrupted the scarecrow. Don't let us quarrel. We all have our weaknesses, dear friends, so we must strive to be considerate of one another. And since this poor boy is hungry and has nothing whatever to eat, let us all remain quiet and allow him to sleep. For it is said that in sleep, a mortal may forget even hunger. Thank you, exclaimed Tip gratefully. Your majesty is fully as good as you are wise, and that is saying a good deal. He then stretched himself upon the grass and, using the stuffed form of the scarecrow for a pillow, was presently fast asleep. A Nickel-Plated Emperor Tip awoke soon after dawn, but the scarecrow had already risen and plucked, with his clumsy fingers, a double handful of ripe berries from some bushes nearby. These the boy ate greedily, finding them an ample breakfast, and afterward the little party resumed its journey. After an hour's ride, they reached the summit of a hill from whence they espied the city of the Winkies and noted the tall domes of the Emperor's palace rising from the clusters of more modest dwellings. The Scarecrow became greatly animated at this sight and exclaimed, How delighted I shall be to see my old friend the Tin Woodman again! I hope that he rules his people more successfully than I have ruled mine! Is the Tin Woodman the Emperor of the Winkies? asked the horse. Yes, indeed. They invited him to rule over them soon after the Wicked Witch was destroyed, and as Nick Chopper has the best heart in all the world, I am sure he has proved an excellent and able emperor. 
I thought that emperor was the title of a person who rules an empire, said Tip, and the country of the Winkies is only a kingdom. Don't mention that to the Tin Woodman, exclaimed the Scarecrow earnestly. You would hurt his feelings terribly. He is a proud man, as he has every reason to be, and it pleases him to be termed emperor rather than king. I'm sure it makes no difference to me, replied the boy. The sawhorse now ambled forward at a pace so fast that its riders had hard work to stick upon its back, so there was little further conversation until they drew up beside the palace steps. An aged Winky, dressed in a uniform of silver cloth, came forward to assist them to alight, said the scarecrow to this personage. Show us at once to your master, the emperor. The man looked from one to another of the party in an embarrassed way, and finally answered, I fear I must ask you to wait for a time. The Emperor is not receiving this morning. How is that? inquired the Scarecrow anxiously. I hope nothing has happened to him. Oh no, nothing serious, returned the man. But this is His Majesty's day for being polished, and just now his august presence is thickly smeared with putt's pomade. Oh, I see, cried the Scarecrow, greatly reassured. My friend has ever inclined to be a dandy, and I suppose he is now more proud than ever of his personal appearance. He is indeed, said the man with a polite bow. Our mighty emperor has lately caused himself to be nickel-plated. Good gracious, the scarecrow exclaimed at hearing this. If his wit bears the same polish, how sparkling it must be. But show us in. I'm sure the emperor will receive us even in his present state. The Emperor's state is always magnificent, said the man, but I will venture to tell him of your arrival and will receive his commands concerning you. So the party followed the servant into a splendid anteroom, and the sawhorse ambled awkwardly after them, having no knowledge that a horse might be expected to remain outside. The travelers were at first somewhat awed by their surroundings, and even the scarecrow seemed impressed as he examined the rich hangings of silver cloth caught up into knots and fastened with tiny silver axes. Upon a handsome center table stood a large silver oil can, richly engraved with scenes from the past adventures of the Tin Woodman, Dorothy, the Cowardly Lion, and the Scarecrow, the lines of the engraving being traced upon the silver in yellow gold. On the walls hung several portraits, that of the scarecrow seeming to be the most prominent and carefully executed, while a large painting of the famous Wizard of Oz, in the act of presenting the Tin Woodman with a heart, covered almost one entire end of the room. While the visitors gazed at these things in silent admiration, they suddenly heard a loud voice in the next room exclaim, Well, 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 what a great surprise! And then the door burst open and Nick Chopper rushed into their midst and caught the Scarecrow in a close and loving embrace that creased him into many folds and wrinkles. My dear old friend, my noble comrade, cried the Tin Woodman joyfully. How delighted I am to meet you once again, returned the Tin Woodman. 
I'll send you to my imperial laundry and you'll come out as good as new. Won't I be mangled? asked the scarecrow. No, indeed, was the reply. But tell me, how came your majesty here and who are your companions? The scarecrow, with great politeness, introduced Tip and Jack Pumpkinhead, and the latter personage seemed to interest the Tin Woodman greatly. You are not very substantial, I must admit, said the Emperor, but you are certainly unusual, and therefore worthy to become a member of our select society. I thank your majesty, said Jack humbly. I hope you are enjoying good health, continued the Woodman. At present, yes, replied the Pumpkinhead with a sigh, but I am in constant terror of the day when I shall spoil. Nonsense, said the Emperor, but in a kindly, sympathetic tone. Do not, I beg of you, dampen today's sun with the showers of tomorrow, for before your head has time to spoil, you can have it canned, and in that way it may be preserved indefinitely. Tip, during this conversation, was looking at the woodman with undisguised amazement, and noticed that the celebrated emperor of the Winkies was composed entirely of pieces of tin, neatly soldered and riveted together into the form of a man. He rattled and clanked a little as he moved, but in the main he seemed to be most cleverly constructed, and his appearance was only marred by the thick coating of polishing paste that covered him from head to foot. The boy's intent gaze caused the Tin Woodman to remember that he was not in the most presentable condition, so he begged his friends to excuse him while he retired to his private apartment and allowed his servants to polish him. This was accomplished in a short time, and when the Emperor returned, his nickel-plated body shone so magnificently that the Scarecrow heartily congratulated him on his improved appearance. That nickel plate was, I confess, a happy thought, said Nick, and it was the more necessary because I had become somewhat scratched during my adventurous experiences. You will observe this engraved star upon my left breast. It not only indicates where my excellent heart lies, but covers very neatly the patch made by the wonderful wizard when he placed that valued organ in my breast with his own skillful hands. Is your heart, then, a hand organ? asked the pumpkin head curiously. By no means, replied the emperor with dignity. It is, I am convinced, a strictly orthodox heart, although somewhat larger and warmer than most people possess. Then he turned to the scarecrow and asked, Are your subjects happy and contented, my dear friend? I cannot say, was the reply. For the girls of Oz have risen in revolt and driven me out of the Emerald City. Great goodness, cried the Tin Woodman. What a calamity! They surely do not complain of your wise and gracious rule. No, but they say it is a poor rule that don't work both ways, answered the Scarecrow. And these females are also of the opinion that men have ruled the land long enough. So they have captured my city, robbed the treasury of all its jewels, and are running things to suit themselves. Dear me, what an extraordinary idea, cried the emperor, who was both shocked and surprised. 
And I heard some of them say, said Tip, that they intend to march here and capture the castle and city of the Tin Woodmen. Ah, uh, we must not give them time to do that, said the Emperor quickly. We will go at once and recapture the Emerald City and place the Scarecrow again upon his throne. I was sure you would help me, remarked the Scarecrow in a pleased voice. How large an army can you assemble? We do not need an army, replied the Woodman. We four, with the aid of my gleaming axe, are enough to strike terror into the hearts of the rebels. We five, corrected the Pumpkinhead. Five? repeated the Tin Woodman. Yes, the Sawhorse is brave and fearless, answered Jack, forgetting his recent quarrel with the Quadruped. The Tin Woodman looked around him in a puzzled way, but the Sawhorse had until now remained quietly standing in a corner where the Emperor had not noticed him. Tip immediately called the odd-looking creature to them, and it approached so awkwardly that it nearly upset the beautiful center table and the engraved oil can. I begin to think, remarked the Tin Woodman, as he looked earnestly at the sawhorse, that wonders will never cease. How came this creature alive? I did it with a magic powder, modestly asserted the boy, and the sawhorse has been very useful to us. He enabled us to escape the rebels, added the scarecrow. Then we must surely accept him as a comrade, declared the Emperor. A live sawhorse is a distinct novelty and should prove an interesting study. Does he know anything? Well, I cannot claim any great experience in life, the sawhorse answered for himself. But I seem to learn very quickly, and often it occurs to me that I know more than any of those around me. Perhaps you do, said the Emperor. For experience does not always mean wisdom. But time is precious just now, so let us quickly make preparations to start upon our journey. The Emperor called his Lord High Chancellor and instructed him how to run the kingdom during his absence. Meanwhile, the Scarecrow was taken apart and the painted sack that served him for a head was carefully laundered and restuffed with the brains originally given him by the great wizard. His clothes were also cleaned and pressed by the imperial tailors, and his crown polished and again sewed upon his head, for the Tin Woodman insisted he should not renounce his badge of royalty. The Scarecrow now presented a very respectable appearance, and although in no way addicted to vanity, he was quite pleased with himself and strutted a trifle as he walked. While this was being done, Tip mended the wooden limbs of Jack Pumpkinhead and made them stronger than before, and the sawhorse was also inspected to see if he was in good working order. Then, bright and early the next morning, they set out upon the return journey to the Emerald City, the Tin Woodman bearing upon his shoulder a gleaming axe and leading the way, while the Pumpkinhead rode upon the sawhorse, and Tip and the Scarecrow walked upon either side to make sure that he didn't fall off or become damaged. <laughs>